What up fam, I'm Elena, a certified nutrition coach, personal trainer, and hormone specialist. I'm a former public educator turned holistic fitness coach, and I'm on a mission to disrupt diet culture and educate individuals on how they can heal their gut issues, hormone imbalance, and food relationships caused by chronic dieting, inflammation, and autoimmune or chronic illness. My philosophy for coaching is simple. Eat more, move better, feel amazing, because life is too short to feel like shit. So let's dive in. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of What the Funk. I do believe we're on episode 23, which is just wild to me. Started the podcast back in July. It's ended up being um, just a really great space to expand on information in a more long form way. In Instagram, you can only do 2200 captions or 2200 characters in a caption. Um, and there's a lot of nuance that you really miss when you're just kind of dropping nuggets on Instagram. And so um, my it's made my content shift just a little bit because Instagram now is, um, you know, I'm not going as in depth on some of my captions because I know that there's there's so much that, that is nuanced when you're talking about functional nutrition, fitting it in with fitness, worrying about hormone health, um, trying to get gut health under control. And I try to be very mindful of how information gets consumed on the internet. People will read something and be like, oh, this is the one thing that's going to fix it. And it's like, ah, maybe not. But I try to offer things as a consideration into the decisions that people make for themselves and their bodies and their journey, but also try to be very realistic about the fact that there are certain things that you know, might need just a bit of a higher level overview. And I'm very also transparent about that. And a lot of times too, I'll be chatting with people in my DMs and they'll ask me a question and I'm like, the answer is like, well, it depends. It depends on a lot of factors. Specifically today, we're talking about how can you unfuck your hormones with movement? So here's the thing. There's the concept of something being healthy. And if you've listened to any of my podcast episodes before, you know that there's in my viewpoint, my professional and personal opinion is that the concept of healthy is very vague. Um, it's very like uh, shades of gray because it, something that's healthy for one person may or may not be healthy for somebody else. So like specifically, we're going to talk about workouts. Um, and this is where like even things like the 75 hard challenge has become really popular again, right? Going into the new year, people are like, oh, I'm going to hit it hard. And I see some people that can handle this type of challenge and they thrive in it. It doesn't, it doesn't, um, you know, cause them to have necessarily, um, um, a dysfunctional relationship with fruited movement, but they really just thrive on like the mental aspect of it. Keep in mind that 75 hard was never meant as like a challenge to be like a physical transformation. It's not meant to be like a weight loss challenge. It's meant to be like a mental toughness challenge. And, and that, that gets sort of lost in translation when a lot of people will do it. They'll do it. Oh, I'm doing this to try to lose weight or try to lose fat or something like that. And, um, then they end up misusing that resource or that challenge as something in order to do something. And so we talk about that type of challenge is very extreme, right? It's like two workouts, 45 minutes long. One has to be outside. Um, they can't be within like three hours of each other. You've got to drink a gallon of water a day, which is like a whole other thing. I'm sorry, but like a gallon of water a day is not necessarily the end all be all. You have to keep in mind electrolytes and things like that. Um, electrolyte balance, nutrient intake, fiber intake, things like that, that if you're drinking a gallon of water a day, again, might be really healthy for one person, might not be the best option for another person. Another person's ideal hydration intake might be like 80 to 100 ounces of water a day. And that's very dependent on the individual, right? So again, the concept of healthy is not black and white. There are shades of gray in the mix here and it depends on each individual. So um, we talk about exercise, like you'll see a lot of, you know, coaches or even just 
people in the fitness space online be like, this is the best way to work out. And I'm here to tell you that the best way to work out is very dependent on the person. Um, so, and especially because it, a lot of times we subscribe to these trains of thought or these things that we're going to follow without any consideration for how we're actually feeling as we're moving through that or taking into consideration factors within our own life, within our own body that may or may not make that path make sense for you as a person. So how do we specifically use movement to leverage movement, to decrease inflammation, to increase energy, to decrease digestive concerns, um, rather than it be something that exacerbates it. And the reality is we have to look at movement for exactly what it is. It's a stressor. Now you can have good stress and you can have bad stress. So good stress in, in terms of movement or exercise is going to be something that's going to increase your strength. It's going to increase your stamina, increase your endurance, give you more energy, um, improve nutrient absorption, improve nutrient partitioning, right? Um, and help our bodies work better. We should feel better with this movement. Um, however, if there are factors that inhibit that result, you might be struggling to increase in strength. You might even notice a decrease in strength. Um, you might be more susceptible to injury. You might feel like you're always like tweaking your back or tweaking a hamstring or tweaking your shoulder, things like that. You're, you're having a lot of little kind of things add up where your body just hurts and it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with age, right? I'm 31 years old. I've been weightlifting since I was 13 years old and I've dealt with my fair share of injuries. I have arthritis on my right knee. I am still able to maintain a pretty high level activity, high level of activity and challenging workouts, even though I have injuries and things like that. And we'll get into injury prevention and things you can do within your workout outside of that. Um, you might also be experiencing fatigue and we're not just talking like, oh, I'm tired. Like the type of like, where you walk, where you try to get up out of bed in the morning or the afternoon hits and you just feel like you've hit a wall and nothing is helping with that. And if there's already some level of chronic fatigue present, exercise can potentially make that worse. Um, you can have brain fog, right? Joint pain. Like we talked about those types of things are, are sometimes indicative of is movement a bad stressor in this scenario. And how do we manage that now? Can we look at it as just movement is impacting my hormone health? Because, right, increased risk of injury, fatigue, brain fog, um, excess pain, things like digestive issues, those are usually a sign of some level of hormone imbalance. Keeping in mind that we go back to the basic concept of once you have already started manifesting symptoms, like physical symptoms, like chronic fatigue, like gut issues, like chronic bloating, um, irregular bowel movements, or that like fluctuate from the extreme loose to like extreme constipation, not pooping for several days in a row, right? Extreme PMS. Once you're already experiencing those physical symptoms, your body has already been in a state of imbalance for a period of time. You're just now manifesting those things, right? It's not something that happened overnight. And if you go back to like episode eight, hormone health 101, I actually kind of dive into the signs of hormone imbalance and what sort of drives us getting to that point. And the fact that again, once you've already started experiencing these things, you've likely been out of balance in some way, shape or form for a period of time. It's not something that just happens. You don't just get out of balance things have usually added up to get you to this point. So factors. And so we can't just look at movement in and of itself, but when we're looking at movement and how it fits into everything, this is sort of the, the context that I want to put it in. When we're looking at movement, what are the things that we need to look at when we're looking at the big picture? Keep in mind that right lifestyle, nutrition, stress management. And those are all things we're going to talk about here in, in just a minute, um, all impacting from the big picture, but they also impact how you manage your movement. So what are factors impacting exercise and taking it from 
either something that can be really beneficial or can potentially be harmful to your body. Um, we're sleep. <laughs> okay. If you're, your 5am gym session is going to be absolutely pointless. If you're only running on like four to five hours of sleep every night, it, there's no reason why you should be going through that. If that's the case and you're struggling to get those morning workouts because you're just too tired, you don't need to wake up earlier. You need to look at your sleep hygiene and your sleep habits around, around sleep. A lot of times what I find is that it's not the fact that people don't have the time to get enough sleep in, but there's this like thing. I can't remember exactly what it's called, but I've seen it a ton on times online. I've ha have a couple clients that have talked with it about it's called like revenge procrastination that you're like so busy during the day that you sort of, that you don't, and that you don't get a lot of time for yourself. So you do mindless, pointless things in an effort to take back time for yourself, well, that usually ends up negatively impacting your sleep habits, right? We're talking scrolling on reels, scrolling on TikTok, staying up too late, watching one more Netflix episode, those types of things. And that's one of those situations where we really have to look at it and go, listen, you can either bitch about it or change it. And if you're, if you're like continuing to scroll on TikTok at night, and then you're complaining about your sleep habits, I frankly don't want to hear it. <laughs> like I do not feel bad for you because we do have the ability to control certain things and managing your sleep hygiene, managing behaviors before sleep is absolutely something that you have the ability to do. Even if it's something as simple as getting blue light glasses, if you do have to be online late at night, like I know sometimes as a business owner, and I talk about this all the time, I end up working until like nine, 10 o'clock at night. I've got Jesus Christ on Thursday night, I was up till one o'clock in the morning, like just working on stuff. Um, and that's, that's normal for me. Like that does happen. And so I have things put in place in order to help mitigate the fact that I have to be staring at my computer computer screen for the evening hours. And I don't want it to totally throw off my sleep schedule. Um, I use blue light glasses to block that blue light. I take, um, I do mag a higher dosage of magnesium on those days, along with using that sleepy time tea, because it's got some herbal, um, things in it can also help with sleep. And I make sure that I have stopped my caffeine intake really early in the day. If I'm looking at my calendar and I'm going, yep, it's going to be late night. I make sure I put those things in place. The other thing that I do is I make sure that I've showered, gone, like gotten cleaned up, done my skincare, gotten into jammies and my bed is ready for me to crawl in as soon as I'm ready to hit the hay. And then you usually don't have any issues going to sleep, right? You can control what kind of pillow you use. Do you need to get a weighted blanket? Do you need to get a sleep mask? Do you need to get a sound machine? There are things that are in your control to improve your sleep. And if you're not doing anything about it, I don't feel bad for you. Take it or leave it. I'm sorry if it pisses you off, but if it makes you feel triggered in a way that you're like, Ooh, I really should look at this. You definitely need to take a look at it. Okay. Sleep hygiene is huge. On top of that, Okay. And sleep and stress kind of go together is stress. How is your stress management? Are you doing anything throughout the week that is just for you? So like one of my favorite ways for stress management, and this has been like a huge thing that I've really dove into over the fall that's carried into the new year is journaling, right? I have a journal where like I write down some daily affirmations. I, I don't come up with them on my own. You guys, I do not have the bandwidth to do that. I use the app called I am. I do pay for it because I'm like, this is something that is so necessary. And it's like, $11 for the year, like whatever I can go in there and I can just scroll through and it shows me the affirmations. And then I copy them down along with something that I'm grateful for that day. And then I have like a day, like a page per day. And it's a pretty small notebook that I use. So it's not like this massive blank page that I have to fill out. I just do like one page a day of journaling. Wow. I just hit the microphone with my headset. Okay. Sorry about that. Um, and, and that's what I do to help manage my stress. I also like to do my nails. That's a stress relieving activity that I can do for myself once, you know, every week or every other week. I do like to take baths. It's also for 
you know, physical recovery, especially if you can dump some like magnesium and Epsom salts into the bath, that'll really help with muscle soreness and recovery, which is so great, right? What are things you do to manage stress? In the moment, when you have stressful situations during the day, what do you do to decrease stress? Do you react or do you take a second and do some deep breathing, right? Do you need to do some deep breathing exercises before you eat your meals? When you leave a stressful situation, do you need to build in like a 10 minute buffer before you go back to work after your lunch break to go for a walk and get some sunshine? What are you doing for your stress management? It doesn't have to be something huge, right? Even again, like I said, a 10 minute walk in the middle of the afternoon just to get some sunshine on your face before you go back into your afternoon work day or part of your work day, even if you do that two or three days a week, that is going to have a massive impact on stress, right? Because really even doing a walk in the morning is great, but let's be real. Not everybody can fit in a walk in the morning, especially if you got kids and you're trying to get everybody ready for school and out the door, but can you fit in something else throughout the day? That's just for you, right? Um, so what are you doing to manage your stress? Because stress will hugely, hugely, hugely fuck you up. To, to put it mildly. Um, because if we're dealing with chronic stress, we have elevated cortisol, chronically elevated cortisol. We got issues with blood pressure, weight management. It can cause issues with your sex hormones. It can cause issues with your ability to sleep. Again, that's why sleep and stress kind of go hand in hand. Stress management. If you are stressed AF and you're killing yourself in the gym five to six days a week, you're not doing yourself any favors and you do not get a badge of honor or a gold star for going hard in the gym when you haven't taken care of business up in your head. So take care of your shit. Nutrition. 99% of the time, people are not eating enough food. And it's not necessarily that they're not eating enough calories, although I do find that to be the case a lot. Like a lot of my clients, I take their calories, they're maybe eating like 12, 13, 1400 calories a day. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we got to slowly increase this. We got to increase this food. And in that situation, I don't even usually slowly increase food. I just pop people up to like closer to like 16, 17, 1800, sometimes even 2000 calories a day. And they start sleeping better. They start training better. They're recovering better. Their stress is a little bit lower. Um, and they start to gain muscle and lose body fat. <laughs> Their digestion improves, right? So are you eating enough food and are you eating enough nutrients throughout the day, right? Um, th those are really important factors that we have to consider. And then health. This is one that's very near and dear to my heart. Do you have any kind of autoimmune or chronic issues, chronic illness issues that are coming into play, right? So I'll give you just a little bit of a backstory on my personal experience. I have, obviously, if you've been around, you know this, I have Hashimoto's and endometriosis. Hashimoto's is an autoimmune thyroid condition and endometriosis is a reproductive chronic illness. It's not technically categorized as an autoimmune disease, although it acts like an autoimmune disease. It's like literally it's, it's essentially pieces of the endometrial lining have like implanted themselves in other places of the body where they're not supposed to be. And it causes a lot of problems. Um, so, um, when I first got diagnosed with my Hashimoto's specifically, and I was dealing with high levels of inflammation, I had to taper back my workouts to like two or three days a week going to walk for like 15 minutes and doing like more of like a Pilates, very slow moving style of workout. And this is coming from somebody who was like squatting and deadlifting 200 plus pounds on a regular basis, right? I had to scale way back, but I was pushing my body way too hard. Now, now that I'm like recovered and I'm in what I consider remission, I'm no longer on medication. My blood work looks really great. I'm very, I'm not, I'm like asymptomatic from those things 90% of the time. Although if I do have, I did have situations where like I drank a lot more, I drank a lot more alcohol over the month of December. And then my cycle in January was like really hellacious. And I'm like, I was able to link those two things together, but that's not the norm for me. So I'm asymptomatic, like 90% of the time. Right. Um, it is the fact that where was I going with this? Oh, the fact that I'm now asymptomatic, I can push a lot harder in the gym. 
but I'm training really hard in the weight room three to four days a week, not like five to six. I'm giving myself time to recover so I'm able to really maximize my time in the weight room. And then it also alleviates my mental stress because it's easier on my schedule to get to the gym three to four days a week than it is five to six days a week, which is what I used to think that I had to do. If I'm not working out five days a week, I'm not doing it right. And it's like, uh, uh, sis, that, that ain't true. That is not true. So, um, those are things that you have to consider. So, and whether or not you have autoimmune or chronic illness issues, um, you really have to watch that recovery, watch your effort. Like if you're just half-assing it five, six days a week, but you're also not giving yourself time to recover, you still could be asking more of your body than it's really ready to give, especially if you're not providing enough nutrients to your body if you're too stressed out and if you're sleeping like shit more often than not. So signs that your training is causing you more problems than it solves. <laughs> okay. Um, you're achy. You constantly feel like you're injured. So like if you're dealing with, oh, this week and you know, my hip really hurts or I feel like this is getting pulled in my back or just like my knee really hurts. My shoulder doesn't feel good when I do these movements. Okay. That's first of all, that's a sign that, that you're not recovering the way that you need to. And you're likely not doing enough mobility and stretching. And we'll talk about what that should look like next and some strategies to make that happen without it driving you totally crazy. Um, that's, that's a sign. Another sign is that you're constantly Constantly sore. So delayed onset muscle soreness or DOMS is normal when you've shifted training stimulus or you haven't been training for a long time or you've taken some time off of training and you're getting back into it. You should be expected to be sore for the first like week or so, but then it should eventually diminish. Your body should adapt, right? Until you kind of switch things around again. So now that's not saying you want to experience some soreness. Like I get sore almost every leg day, but the level of soreness that I experience now versus when I switched my training stimulus like a month, month or two ago is very, very different. Very, very different. I'm adapting to the movement and the movement patterns and the loads that I'm taking on. So my level of soreness is like highly decreased highly decreased. I can sit down on the toilet without like crying <laughs> basically where the first week was like, Oh Lord, this is really going to be an interesting day or two after this workout. Right. Um, even like my first, like I changed up my back routine. Um, and th that first day post back workout was just absolutely insane. And I really struggled the, the next day, just like soreness and comfort wise. And then the next week when I did that same routine, it was much, much, much improved, right? So DOMS might be present, but it should eventually decrease. If you're like not able to move because of your workouts, you're not, you're either one doing too much and you're not recovering well enough. And that could be due to poor nutrition, poor stress management, poor sleep, and too high of a frequency or intensity of training. Okay. So that's another sign. The other sign is that you just don't feel good, right? You're fatigued all the time. This is what we call chronic fatigue, where you just feel like you're tired all the time. You're really relying on caffeine or other stimulants to get you through the day. Maybe you're having some gut issues, you're bloated, things like that. When you start to experience that, that is usually a sign that your training needs to be scaled back. When I'm working with somebody and we're working on gut health or they've got inflammation or um, they've been diagnosed with some kind of autoimmune or chronic illness, scaling back training while we get the body balanced again is one of the very first things that I will do. I have clients where I'm like, your job is to only walk. I just want you to walk. You can walk or do yoga and that is it. Do not touch a weight room. Do not go in there until we get these other three things under control. And then we will slowly start to increase your activity then to gauge where's that sweet spot for you, right? And and that's a really hard thing to do. People don't ever want to scale back because from a mental perspective, exercise is great. It's really great for mental health. But if your body is like just feeling like shit 90% of the time, we do not want to be dealing with that. 
So stretching and mobility as far as avoiding injury, when should we, when should we do this? So my preference is, and research shows that doing dynamic mobility, okay, not static stretching, dynamic mobility before you train to warm up the muscles, warm up the ligaments, get the blood flowing, and then doing static stretching post-training at some point in the day. So it can either be directly after training or even later at night. I sometimes like doing it later at night because it's, it's a great way for me to wind down. Um, so doing dynamic mobility and stretching. What does dynamic mobility look like? This is going to be like leg swings. This is going to be shoulder rotations. This is going to be, um, you know, a different types of um, ankle flexion, right? Especially right before squat day. So things that move your body in order to get the joints and the limbs moving. Um, so doing like cat cows are great, like starting, like if you're not sure where to start, start with a couple cat cows as your dynamic mobility and just kind of go from there. Okay, shoulder circles, hip circles, um, hip rotations. So standing hip rotations or like kneeling, quadruped hip rotations, those are really great too. And then static stretching is gonna be like, a seated hamstring stretch, right? <laughs> and so, so that's the difference between dynamic mobility and static stretching. So doing, you know, depending on what you're working out that day, two to three, you know, dynamic mobility movements and like two to three static stretches at the end of your workout, like 10 minutes on either side of your workout can really do a lot of good. A lot of times for my clients, I will build into their training that dynamic mobility and stretching dependent on what they're doing. Now, some of them have routines that they like and they're like, I do this, 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 is this cool? I'm like, yeah, that's fine. They're like, awesome. I don't need it in my calendar. I'm like, deal. I won't leave it. I won't put it in there. Um, but I really enjoy adding in that dynamic mobility and stretching into my client's routines so that we're really protecting the body from injury. Okay. Now, how many days a week do you need to train? <laughs> this is a great question. It depends on your schedule and it depends on what you can handle. My, my honest opinion is that the sweet spot is like four days a week. To be completely honest, four days a week and no more than like 45 minutes of training. Um, and this can be including sometimes that dynamic mobility and stretching depending on the person. If you're adding it in, I would say no more than 60 minutes between mobility, your workout and stretching, right? And that's it. That doesn't seem like a lot, right? That's like four hours tops per week that you're fitting in some movement for your day. Now, this seems to be the sweet spot. One, for individuals who need to scale back, this is a really great way to give yourself time to recover. And for individuals who are healthy and really able to push it in the gym, you could really go ham on your workouts and then give yourself that time to recover. And you're gonna actually benefit more from that from strength as well as muscle gains, right? Pushing harder with better recovery than constant volume on your body. Um, that's, that's just what I've discovered with working with people and doing a lot of training with people that have gut issues, have hormone imbalance, are struggling with PMS, that's just the sweet spot that I've discovered. Um, I know that there's also research on it that states that scaling back can actually be more beneficial than doing more. I can't cite anything right off the top of my head and I didn't prepare it in my notes for the podcast, but if you are curious about the research, DM me on Instagram and I will send some shit your way and you can have fun digging through the research because <laughs> that's, that's always a good time. Digging through research is always interesting. Now, what type of workout should you be doing? Um, I always like to say we want to find a balance of strength training and cardio because cardiovascular training is going to help you increase your strength because increased stamina is going to give you increased endurance during your strength training, balancing both of those in there. But 
also fitting in like if you have other activities like yoga or Pilates or things like that. In that situation, what I like to say is let's do like two to three days of strength training and then two to three days of whatever other activity that you like. And then let's not forget about um, fitting in cardio in the mix. And cardio can be a great thing to do on like your quote unquote off days if you want. Um, although I do have some clients where like we will do like a, we've got like our dynamic mobility, weightlifting, and then I'll tack on a specific cardio workout at the end of their weightlifting because that's just what works best for them. But do not neglect your cardio just for the sake of quote unquote gains. It's not cool to be the person that bashes cardio because it's got a lot of health benefits and can benefit your strength training as well as your recovery. Um, and then also not forgetting about NEAT. So non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So NEAT actually contributes to our metabolic rate as well as our total daily energy expenditure by about 15%, where targeted exercise only contributes to our total daily energy expenditure by 5%. So if you're like really struggling to like get into the gym on a consistent basis, turn a focus to neat. How many steps are you getting throughout the day? Can you increase your step count from like 6,000 to like 8,000 and like not have to worry about adding in like specific cardio or extra strength training days? Cause that could be really beneficial too. Now, if you're really curious about what does a like three day workout split actually look like and wanting a little bit, I actually have something for you guys. So, um, I use a training app with my clients and what I put together for anybody who is interested is a free four week, like workouts 101. Now this doesn't include like one-on-one support. Only my clients get one-on-one support. Let's be real. I'm not going to give that away for free, but it does include some other resources, messages around mindset. Um, it does include some of that mobility and static stretching in those workouts, as well as different little informational nuggets about nutrition and things that you need to be considerate of as you're moving forward in your journey. And so if you want four free weeks of workouts, access to my app for about a month, um, for those four weeks of workouts, there is a link in the show notes to get that. It's a hundred percent free. Um, and if you do have any questions on how it works, feel free to shoot me an email, but all the directions and all the information and stuff like that are linked in that information, you'll get all the directions and stuff once you get access to that workouts 101. So um, that's 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 how to basically keep your stuff in check. Check yourself before you wreck yourself, get your movement balanced, get your hormones and gut health and energy levels really happy by using movement as a catalyst to improve your quality of life rather than having it be something that leaves you feeling beat to shit every single week. All right, you guys, thanks so much. That is it for today's episode. Be sure to subscribe. Be sure Sure to take a screenshot and share it to stories. Tag me at elena.m.fit here on Instagram, and I will see you guys on the next episode. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into the What the Funk podcast. Be sure to leave a rating and a review, and don't forget to take a screenshot. Tag me on Instagram. My handle is at elena.m.fit. I would love to hear what you want to hear on the podcast. I do respond to DMs. I would love to talk with all of you. I'm so excited for you being here today. Thank you so much for the support, and I will see you next time.